Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu, and I'm really excited to have on our show today, Chris Miles. And Chris Miles is uh, actually, if you, he's got a large uh, social media influence, uh, doing a lot in the space, and he's been featured on U.S. News, CNN Money, Bigger Pockets, uh, teaching entrepreneurs, professionals how to create lifelong wealth in uncertain times. And I'm really excited to bring him onto the show and welcome him. So Chris, welcome. Hey, it's a pleasure to be on with another another Chris or Christopher like myself. Uh, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's great. And it's great to be able to um, connect with influencers of your caliber. Zoom, the internet's made that more easier. So tell the audience your backstory, you know, briefly two to three minutes and what you do and we'll delve into it. Yeah, you kind of mentioned about my bio there. I'm, a, I'm actually an anti-financial advisor, right? Which basically means I think that mutual funds suck. <laughs> That's pretty much what it means. Um, it's funny because I wasn't always that way. I actually was a financial advisor at one point. Um, I mean, I was raised by good parents, but they didn't teach me much about money. Um, they taught me there was a scarcity of it, though. So I always heard things growing up like, hey, we can't afford that. What do you think? Money grows on trees. I'm not made of money, you know. And uh, so I didn't want to be that person. So when I went to college, I wanted to have a good career, a good paying career. I was going to become a business consultant. But before I was going to go get my MBA, I thought maybe I should have real life business experience. So I actually took a year off from college. It was supposed to be a one year sabbatical. And I was trying to find some business to start or be a part of. And the first one that came up that was somewhat interesting was a financial advisor. Now, I thought you'd have to have like this great economics or finance degree and, and you have to be a, this brilliant you know, genius with money. Found out that wasn't the case. You just need to pretty much have a clean, you know, basically not have gone to jail and, and pass a test with 70%, which is easy to do when you're going to college. So um, I did that. I actually got my licenses. I even sold mutual funds and everything. And, and, that, and in fact, stayed out of college. I dropped out and went down the entrepreneur path as a financial advisor. Now, Four years in, as uh, eventually my dad comes to me and says, Chris, when are you going to financially advise me? When are you going to help me out? So I sat down with him and he was. He said, I'm 61 years old. I want to retire now. What can I do? And I and he's one of those guys that was like the penny pinching saver, right? I mean, he penny pinched everything growing up. I mean, he would even steal salt and pepper shakers from Chinese restaurants because he thought the service wasn't good enough from the waitress. So he would steal stuff. I mean, that's the kind of cheap my dad is, right? Uh, buys everything on sale in bulk. 
And so he did that. I mean, he was he was like trying to penny pinch everything. He saved, packed money in his 401k. He paid off his house early. He paid off in 18 years. He was very proud of that. And as I look at his numbers, I said, Dad, I'll level with you. If you want to retire today, even though you're 61 years old, you better hope you die in five years because that's how much money you, you have to last you. He said, okay, Chris, that's not what I want to hear. What, what what can I do? What else can I do? And I said, I don't know. You did everything right. Everything we taught as a financial advisor, you did it. And I can't even say go to this mutual fund or go to that one because it might not be better. It might be good today, but then bad tomorrow. So, you know, you being my dad, I can't just put you in something knowing that it could fail. And that bugged me. It really bothered me a lot. And it got to the point where I was starting to have this integrity crisis. Because it wasn't just him. When I looked at all my other clients, right, the ones that had been, you know, saving forever, some of them were even retired doctors, yet they still worried in retirement whether they would run out of money. And mm -hmm. one of my friends who, was, who used to be a financial advisor, I hired him to be a financial advisor. Then he left to go do real estate investing. Him and I were having a discussion. And he challenged me. He said, Chris, how many of your clients are truly financially free where they don't worry about money? Well, None. They all worry about money. Great. Good job, Chris. How about this? How many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, but actually doing these investments you've been recommending? And as I started to think about, like visually, uh, mentally visualize my, the people in my office, there's over a hundred of them. I looked at guys that were even been working there since the late 1970s and they couldn't retire either. And I said, well, none, I guess. He said, there's your problem. And that led to a conversation where eventually I realized after a few months, I can't stay in that industry. I can't keep my integrity intact teaching something I know doesn't work. So I left. I was a mortgage broker. I was even uh, doing a little stock trading, but I was actually starting to do real estate investing. And between that and other passive streams of income, I was able to be financially independent at the age of 28. Um, completely didn't expect it to happen that fast. But because I, I basically did the exact opposite of everything I taught as a financial advisor, it worked. And, and of course, you know, 2007 came up, you know, and, and everybody wanted to know how I did what I did. So I eventually came out of retirement to start coaching people. And, and that's kind of what I've been doing ever since is getting people to become work optional, right? Where you work because you want to, not because you have to. Uh, very fascinating. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I bought and sold my first mutual fund in 2001 and never, <laughs> and it's kind of like a uh, investing in like a dinosaur. Uh, yep. It's quite interesting. So tell us the main thing is, here's the question is like, why does mainstream financial advice does not work? It's, you know, sucks for a lack of better term. And it's just, it's just not applicable. Yeah. It's a big case of overpromise and under deliver. Right. Uh, for example, this was what really bugged me towards the end. And, and the thing is with my dad, it was kind of like that, that extra push. It was the straw that broke the camel's back because I was already questioning what if I, what I was doing was right. For example, um, look at the S&P 500, right? Which is not even truly diversified when you look at the top really six or seven companies make up 28% of the S&P 500 of the total value. It's scary. But the S&P 500 is looked at as like the gold standard because 90% of mutual funds don't even reach the average return of the S&P 500. Despite that, if you look at the last 30 years from 1993 to 2023 right now, if you look at the actual average yield of the S&P, not the average return they talk about, but the actual average yield, it's only about 7.10, not 10, 
not 12% like I was, you know, showing on our calculators, right? It was, it's never done 10 or 12%. In fact, it rarely ever averages about eight. It did that for a short time up until about 2022 when the market tanked and it went down below 8% again, right? So when you look at that number, already we're putting in numbers that are overpromised. On top of that, um, there's inflation, right? And we all know that the government's manipulating the inflation numbers to be much less so that they don't have to keep raising Social Security as much and it can last longer. They can stretch the dollars out more in the limited Social Security fund. So we already know that that inflation is probably closer to about 7 or 8% on a, a normal year, not this last year was like 15 plus percent, but normal years like maybe 7 or 8%. If I try to put in a calculator, and you can do it too, you can go to like calculator.net, start putting in, let's say somebody's max funding their 401k at 20,000 a year, right? I mean, not a lot, but let's just say that you're doing that. You're max funding for 20,000 a year, put in a, an actual return of say 7% which is pretty darn aggressive. Uh, just so you know, Fidelity, um, when their funds came out, I looked at the 10-year average of their target date retirement funds, which is what most millennials do. The average return was 8%, almost flat. But the S&P in that same 10-year period from 2013 to 2023 was 10.1%. That means the fund did 2% less. And that's before the 0.75% fee comes out. So really, when you take if you take the S&P and try to take the 7.7, say less minus 2.1 and then another 0.75, you follow about a 5% average return on a 401k, you know, return on a, in a Fidelity 401k. That's not including the 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 the, uh, the match, which, by the way, the match only adds long term compounding interest about two or three percent, even if you get a 100 percent match. So anyways, coming back to that. So you put in 20,000 a year, say you actually make 7% and then you have a 5% inflation rate, which I think is very conservative. You'll find out that whatever you're saving per year is about the lifestyle you'll live on per year in retirement, because you should be only pulling out 3% a year of that total amount. They used to say 4%, but that was almost debunked even 20 years ago when I was a financial advisor. And now since then, other companies have come out saying, nope, 4% is too high. When you retire, only pull out 3%. So if you have a million dollars saved up in your 401k, you should only pull out 30,000 a year. Think about it, you're a broke millionaire living on 30,000 a year as a millionaire. It's just ridiculous. But you look at those returns and it's it's just, it's miserable uh, because I know Dave Ramsey teaches 12%, right? Well, you, he says hundred bucks a month, 12% a year in 40 years will be a, be a million, 1.1 million. Well, he was wrong. It's 979,000 if you do hundred bucks a month for 40 years at 12%. But if you actually lower that to even 7%, now you're down below 300,000. And of course, you know, we're not going to factor in inflation. So just those few percentage points make a big difference. And as a financial advisor, I was, I was kind of depressed. So I would lower inflation to like one or 2% and then raise returns to eight or 10% just to make our clients feel hopeful that they could actually retire. But in reality, in the back of my mind, I knew still, even though I could legally show these numbers and I could show 10% legally, even though I could show those numbers, still, I knew it what it, that what they were doing wasn't going to make it, and now we're seeing the evidence of that today, where baby boomers and even Gen Xers are drastically under what they need to be able to retire. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's almost like now, because um, you know, kind of the risk free rate is like four to five percent. You just you know park your cash in a mar money market, and it's like why take uh -huh. that risk if you know if it you know seven percent that two percent difference, and you're risking it with all these you know boom and busts and you know. Uh, central banking. Interesting. So right. 
Yeah. So interesting. So the qu- question is, you know, what type of investments can you get, you know, safe returns? Um, of course, it's going to take some education, you know, it, it takes work, you know, especially things like real estate and other, you know, businesses, but talk about how people can get away from this uh, old mindset into this new and kind of uh, start to think about ways of um, securing their financial future. Yeah. I mean, understand that financial advisors can only legally sell you and offer you the things they sell you, which is ironic, right? Which is pretty much mutual funds and insurances, right? Like annuities and things like that. Well, the outside of that world, and this is what I learned in 2006 that that blew my mind. I didn't even know they were there. I was a financial advisor for four years. I even heard of most of the things that are in alternative space, even though they call it Main Street investing, because there's literally tens of millions of us that have done investing like in real estate, for example, right? Um, and I don't mean real estate where you have to be babysitting it all the time. For example, when I buy a property, I buy turnkey real estate properties, which means there's a property manager already in place. One, I don't have to find the properties. I can go to a turnkey investment company. They have the properties already there. They can even tell you ahead of time, based on the rent market, taking this kind of rent, here's exactly how much cash flow you can make, almost to the dollar, right? Um, granted, depending on the interest rate in that very day or moment, it could go up or down. You might come out better or worse. But still, like I, it's not hard for me to find it in at least a 7 or 8%, what they call a cash-on-cash return, meaning return of my money, on my money, right? Not including appreciation, not including tax benefits, not including the fact that, that renters pay down my mortgage for me. Um, and that's 7 or 8%, usually on like newer, new construction type properties. Often I can find properties that still will find, even this in interest rate environment, 10% plus on that cash on cash. You start factoring in those other numbers, usually it's not hard to make 20% plus. Um, give you an example. I mean, I had a property I bought in Memphis five years ago um, with the cash flow I'm getting. Now I'm getting like a 18%, almost 19% cash on cash return on that. But um, still with appreciation, with the fact that my renters have paid down my mortgage balance for me and everything else, my total returns with everything has been over 300% in the last five years. I can guarantee that there's no financial advisor out there that's going to say, oh yeah, I can make you 300% in five years, right? In fact, they can't guarantee anything. Now, I can't either. Like I'm going to put a disclaimer, results may vary, right? Um, and in fact, I had the benefit of appreciating market. But even if you took out all that appreciation, I still made over 100% in the last five years without any appreciation at all. That's just icing on the cake. And that was a big epiphany to me because when I realized, and, and there's like, you know, there's other options, like there's funds that you can do, not REITs, not, you know, mutual funds, but things where you might go into a debt fund where, you know, you might be loaning money to a company that goes and invests in different properties, or maybe they go and they do new construction and building. Uh, one person in our group, they actually pay 1% a month, you know, 12% a year. Think about it. You have $100,000 pays you 1% a month. That's a thousand a month. That was way different than a hundred thousand dollars only pulling out 3% a year, which is 3000 a year. Right. And then you have to pay taxes on that IRA or 401k money. But here I can get paid on that money. It could be in an IRA. By the way, most people don't realize you can even invest IRA money. I'm sure that this this show you've talked about it, but you know, people can actually use IRA money to invest in these things, you know, and and make, like I said, one percent a month. You know, there's other options that could do better, some that do more conservative. I, I look at conservative returns in this space being like seven to eight percent, you know. Um, and that is conservative. That's kind of on the low end, you know, most of our Clients usually get at least 10% plus, depending on which option we pick and choose. Uh, there's even things like in the oil and gas space where 
right now, even though the oil prices are lower, they're still returning really well, really nicely, especially if you get paid on the land for the lease and you get paid royalties. You know, So um, raw land is another thing too, where I have a partnership where we buy and sell raw land. I'm making about a 40 to 45% return on my money there. You know, again, none of this is guaranteed, right? Oh, results may vary. You could do better. You know, you could do worse. Um, like in the oil and gas fund, I'm, I've made about 8% in the last year, but I have other clients that they got into a different investment, same company, just a different project. And they made 35% last year. So I'm kind of like, well, that stinks. You know, my own clients are beating me on my rates of return on some of these projects, you know, but that's the thing is that there are so many options. There's so much available. It, it, it really just, it actually put me in a different state. I actually got excited and happy for the first time as a fun, when I was leaving being a financial advisor, I realized there's this whole other world that had more secured assets, assets backed by real assets, not arbitrary things like stocks. Cause you know, we already know Tesla is overvalued and still people buy it but that doesn't mean it can, couldn't go crashing down 90% this year, right? There's there's so many so much risk in those places versus having place put my money in places that are boring, that just pay consistently. And in my opinion, boring is sexy. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting when you when you you uh you describe this area where there's more, there's like it's almost this alternative system and it's kind of like once you become financially literate and you understand it and you especially you understand risk, counterparty risk, uh, you like, and what's interesting is all these asset classes, they have different properties to help you achieve your goals, like, you know, taxes or inflation or conserve wealth, cash flow, you know, uh, conserve your principal, all of that yield. Um, and so it's important to understand all of these asset classes so you can know where to, where it fits in your overall strategy. Yeah, exactly. Very interesting. And you know what? I know as we come to the um, ending, what's interesting is you. So, one thing is, you know, these alternative investments, real estate, you know, trusts, um, you know, partnerships, all of these, you know, businesses, you, you talk about this, um, how it's basically control and also, um, and you basically can mitigate risk. So, um, how do you, you know, what are some resources for people to, you know, look, look into your work, you know, other resources that helped you on your way and, um, and how can people contact you? Yeah. You know, it, I mean, for me, I mean, really like, like what we teach at money ripples, you know, um, we actually have a money ripples podcast channel as well and money ripples channel. And we have a lot of videos and stuff like that. And moneyripples.com. I have a lot of resources too. Um, I mean, the things I did is I, I just learned this stuff over the years, right. Getting educated, getting to know the right people, being around and surrounded by the right people. Um, that's why we kind of created our own community that way too, because everybody kept asking. They said, "All right, we got money. Now what? What do we do with it?" And it's kind of like, "Well, you should invest it." Yeah, but where? And and eventually, like, you know, I kind of opened up my own Rolodex of people that either I've invested with or people I've known in that investment space. That here's an important thing: if you're looking for people to invest with, right? Like, it's different than buying properties where, I mean, really, the property manager is like the number one person that you need to make sure is vetted. But when it comes to investing in other places where you have that extra degree of separation from investments, what's really important is getting to know that operator. You know, how long have they been in the game? Whenever somebody says, oh, I've been in the game since 2018, I made lots of money in real estate. Who didn't? You could be an, an idiot and made money in real estate from 2018 onward. Where were you in 2007, 2008, 2009 and 10? What's happened? What happened to you then? Yeah, you know, and now if they're more experienced, they say, "Oh, I got more gray hair during that time, right?" And uh, and that's good because you want that. You want people that have battle wounds, people that have been through those hard times, so that when we do move into hard times, and I think 
harder times are definitely ahead coming up. You want those people that know how to adjust and and really manage their own risk so that you're at less risk too. Doesn't mean it's guaranteed, but you can lessen your risk significantly by making sure you're with the right people. And so that's what's really important. Yeah, yeah, love that. And you know, talking to successful entrepreneurs such as yourself and you know others, it's like at that level, it's all about risk and your risk tolerance and you know who bears the risk. And that's why a lot of these assets are very attractive, um, especially you know hard assets. Thanks so much. And um, how how can people contact you and follow you? Yeah, you can always go to moneyripples.com or you can follow our, our Money Ripples channel on YouTube or iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, we got it there too. All right. And for the listeners, um, all of Chris's resources will be in the links and show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. It's been an honor. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week